Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. I'm on my second box on order now of Built Bars. You can build your own box as I did at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. All right, a lot to get into, Matt. There's an interesting article that you sent my way about some modern Hall of Famers, players and coaches who are not yet in the Hall of Fame, but maybe should be. Uh, that was at The Athletic, and it looks like a group effort by The Athletic staff, and that's interesting. I, I want to get to that later in the show, but uh, there's some news first about the virtual offseason, when this thing might get rolling for the NFL. But the biggest news was the report that came down Thursday evening. Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seahawks corner, formerly of Washington, Quentin Dunbar, Armed robbery, multiple arrest warrants, four counts of robbery with use of a firearm. I forget the exact wording of how they put it. Aggravated assault with a firearm. Uh, They, quote, whipped out semi-automatic firearms, and apparently they lost something like tens of thousands of dollars in some gambling thing and then went back and, and tried to rob some folks the next night. So very bad situation going on with both DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar and uh, idle hands do the devil's work and some players probably just bored at home and trying to work out and do their virtual offseason stuff and some guys I think getting a little antsy and getting into some trouble here uh, during this stay at home well first of all it made me feel like it was just a normal offseason <laughs> you know like there had been a lack of it <laughs> right these are the stories you get in May and June and you know this is when all the, the coaches keep their fingers crossed that they're that their young men, you know, stay on the straight and narrow and aren't out at three and four in the morning. And when you, the GMs that draft a quote, bad character guy are saying, Oh man, you know, they're, they're in Cabo now. What are they doing wrong? So it felt like normalcy to me. I mean, we haven't gotten many of these stories. I don't know the details and I don't know if they're guilty or innocent. I'm just reading the headlines. If they're, if we assume that much of it is true, which probably isn't fair, who knows? Boy, does it sound dumb, you know, for people that are doing very well in life and have great jobs and good incomes and great situations. But in terms of on the field, I mean, the Giants used a late first on Baker last year, and I didn't love him as a prospect. I don't know what you felt, but I didn't love that pick when it happened. But corners are valuable. He struggled quite a bit, as many Giants did last year, but there still should be you know, he's in the long-term plans. It wasn't like they were you know, done with the guy or anything after one year. Well, the opposite was kind of true with Washington because Dunbar played very well, like much better than Josh Norman for the Redskins last year. Pretty much demanded a trade from how I remember it. And then they traded him to Seattle for a fifth-round pick. And I know he's a free agent at the end of the year, but that's stealing for the Seahawks. And that's the second nice defensive back they picked up for a fifth-round pick. All of a sudden, their secondary goes from junk to pretty good. First, let's start with Dunbar and the Seahawks in Washington situation. There's a reason that they traded him for only a fifth-round pick as well as he had played last year to Seattle. And have you seen the clip? I saw this floating around late last night night, right as I was going to bed. Some people found uh, there was a a play that Dunbar made in Washington. I think it was a big interception. And the celebration was that he put his hand hands behind his back, and his teammates came and looked like they put the handcuffs on him and walked him oh, away really? as, as he was getting arrested. So uh, well, that's something I think we're going to see a lot more of when it comes to him. That's pretty pretty amazing that that he put that on film 
and now is in this situation. Uh, when it comes to the Giants and DeAndre Baker, I agree with you. You know, first, second round, more of a second round type that maybe got a little bit overdrafted in the first round, but he was a big time player coming out of college, and it wasn't a complete shocker that he was drafted no. pretty high. But this opens the door potentially, and we'll see what happens if, if these guys are able to play or not, and this might linger, and I would have a feeling that this is definitely going to be bad news for both of these players. The, the Giants drafted a sixth rounder, Corey Ballantyne. Uh, and out of small school, Washburn, he was fast, big, really good player. I, I loved that selection. This opens the door maybe for some players there in New York. And the one I'm looking for is Ballantyne. I would not be shocked at all if he ends up being the starting cornerback in New York over DeAndre Baker, both short and long term. It's not a bad call. And remember, they they drafted Baker, and then they used a supplemental pick on Beal, who got hurt like the second he got to New yes, York. So yes. maybe he, you know, he, that guy's been totally out of sight, out of mind too. And I think they sacrificed a third round pick for Beal, who I don't know a ton about, but I mean that was a big deal in supplemental draft time not so long ago too. So it does probably open the door. I mean, it's it's very early to comment, but it, you got to think that this is begging for a suspension for these two, right? Absolutely. I mean, I can't believe yeah. I, I I can't imagine aggravated assault, play. I mean, firearms, semi-automatics going in and robbing people. There's and it looks like there's way too many eyewitness accounts that this is not looking good for these guys to be something that, you know, quote unquote alleged. But this does not look good for either DeAndre Baker or Quentin Dunbar. No, not the smartest move. Come on, man. Come on, guys. What are we doing here? What are <laughs> right. we doing here? I mean, I'm just reading the story. Um $7,000 in cash and valuable watches. I guess they just robbed a, a, a fancy party. $18,000 Rolexes, $25,000. Uh, I don't even know what these timepieces are. Who, by the way, who's walking around with a $25,000 watch? I mean, this is just, the, the, I don't know, uh, crazy story. Uh, watch it. I mean, this is a totally off topic, but my when I worked at Pitt, I was a GA. I was a recruiting assistant. And our head coach, Walt Harris, who I learned a ton from, and he was, he's an older guy, used to yell at me every day, you know, Matt, you'll never be a good coach. You'll never be a good scout without a watch. And I'm like, coach, I got a cell phone in my pocket that tells me the time. <laughs> I mean, watches don't accomplish enough for me. I mean, I don't want this thing on my arm. You know, I, I don't get watches. Anymore. What the hell? What was, what does that even mean? <laughs> what could be, you're not, you don't look the part. Is that it? I mean? don't know. I mean, he, he was one of those guys. If you're five, if you're on, t if you're, if the meeting's at seven and you're there, not five minutes early, you're late, you know, one of those type of deals. And it was just being punctual. And it's like, okay. I, I know what time it is. My phone's right here. It tells me the time. <laughs> I, I never quite understood that. But, uh, yeah. Hey. I don't even like wearing stuff anyway. Like jewelry, no. it's uh, the wedding ring is maximum. That's one it. One piece of jewelry for me for pretty much my whole life. And then that's, that's the way it goes. But um, my wedding ring hasn't been off in over 20 years, probably. And I probably would have to get an angle grinder to get it off. And that's the only <laughs> thing I got. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to set it down anywhere because that's not something I want to lose. It's like, just keep it right. on my finger. That's where it stays. But yeah, I don't get watches. I mean, I guess it's jewelry and it's bling and it looks great, but they uh, don't I mean, do enough for me. And I get it if people get into that kind of thing and they want to have the sure. best. But you know, $25,000. What is this brand? Hublot? I don't, I've never even heard of that. You're asking the wrong guy. Audemars, I know Rolex and that's PK, it. some kind of French. I don't know. And, and anyway, so we're getting people off the rails right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are not <laughs> fancy boys. We are not fancy boys. That's for sure. No, we're um, not cool. Anyway, bad news for Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar and Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker, hopefully 
there. I mean, with ramifications on the field. Oh, I mean, these guys sure. are important. Yeah, it hurts both teams. And hopefully, yeah. I mean, it's good for us for content to talk about these knuckleheads doing stupid things like this. But you hope we don't get a lot of these stories the rest of the summer no. if things stay locked down. Hopefully not. And which leads us, I guess, to our next topic is things are starting to gradually open up. And yes. I mean, I'm starting to feel a little optimistic. Absolutely. Yeah. Today is the the day that the state of Arizona opens up and there's no leagues to to play these games. But professional sports can be played now in the state of Arizona with no fans. So we'll get into that next. Uh, what the NFL is doing, how it's looking like they will operate the rest of this offseason. What makes Built Bars so good? Why am I waiting on my second box now of Built Bars? Well, they're a tasty, healthy snack, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors. There's eight chocolate with nuts flavors and eight nut free flavors. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Not this weird light brown looking fake chocolate substance. This is legit chocolate. Soft, chewy, easy to eat, and they taste really good, but they're also healthy. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for the health conscious folks out there. Lose or maintaining weight, this is great. You can still indulge in a treat while getting that protein with low sugar. My favorite flavor is the peanut butter flavor. 20 grams of protein in that one. 170 calories, only 3 grams of sugar and 3 grams of of net carbs the mint brownie flavor is also very good those are two of the flavors that are coming on the box i built from builtbar.com 15 grams of protein only 110 calories in the mint flavor go to builtbar.com build your own box use promo code locked on you'll get ten dollars off your first order again use promo code locked on or ten dollars off at builtbar.com okay so the state of arizona governor Who's the who's the governor? It's uh, Doug Ducey. All right. He announced Tuesday that the the stay at home order is expiring as of today. So basically, starting tomorrow, Saturday, May sixteenth, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, NFL, Major League Soccer, whatever sport can all resume, but with no fans on the field. But the the problem is that no, none of these sports have enough states and stadiums and places open to where they can all reopen. So still no sports are going to be played yet, but this is the first state to really open up like that and be like, okay, we can do it like this. California, on the other hand, and Los Angeles County is, they said it's going to be three months still through August. So I don't know how long this thing's going to go. If a bunch of teams right now are calling all of the colleges and junior colleges and Arizona state and Northern Arizona and trying to find places where they can at least have some training camp potentially. I don't know. I don't think the league will allow anybody to open unless all 32 teams are on the same footing and have a place to hold training camp. Right? So are we going to see 32 teams split up almost like spring training and baseball between Arizona and Florida or something like that? That's what I was thinking too, is especially like, Jets, Giants, Niners, Rams, you know, I mean, like areas that don't seem to be opening up soon. Could they go away to Florida or go away to the middle of nowhere? I mean, go away to, to Nebraska, you know, or Iowa or somewhere and just be alone in, with fields and old school. I mean, I, I don't think that's so bad, but I also come from the background of let's go to tiny St. Vincent College and get away, which isn't in the middle of nowhere, but. I like the I, I did training camp at the facility with the Browns. I've done many of them with the Steelers. I like the getting away thing. I think it pays off for team unity and you know football stuff as opposed to going home. 
I think teams would be smart to do that. I mean, I don't think it would be that hard to find a field or two. Like I said, St. Vincent College is tiny, and none of you have ever heard of it, and it's a bunch of monks and two fields, three fields, basically. You don't need a lot to have a training camp there. So I'm sure there's many suitable facilities once you pay for the travel costs. If you're the Jets, you could go far from home for three weeks, four weeks, whatever, and get a lot done. Yeah, I'm sure every junior college has enough field for teams yeah. to, to at least get it ready within a couple of weeks to to hold training camp there. And all you need is basically a field or a side field along with it and some dorms. And I think you're dorms pretty and set, yeah, especially and right. Yeah. And so, not something that this team needs to be perfect every offseason. They just need something to do now for four weeks, basically. Yeah. And obviously there's more to it. There's a lot of logistics to it and where do you put the media and there's going to be press conferences and all those things. But again, if you could do it at St. Vincent's college, you could do it at the university of New Hampshire. If you're the jets go North or something, or, you know what I mean? I think it's feasible and the, the ownership has the money to either fly everybody there and 18 wheeler, all your other equipment ahead of time, just like you do a road trip. Uh, I don't think it's all that awful to me. The other thing that was set to expire today Friday, May 15th, was the virtual offseason program for the NFL, but that has now been extended for at least another two weeks through May 29, and likely the virtual offseason is going to go all the way through the month of June. So at this point, the NFL is most likely trying to figure out, okay, look, we're going to be everything virtual. July is when training camp is supposed to start. Let's see if we can figure out what the hell to do in July, and hopefully we have enough places to hold some training camps and then cross your fingers that in September we're ready to go and play some football games. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to equate this to the Steelers, and I'm sorry, yada, yada. You guys are used to it by now, but at least this is something that I deal with a lot, is last weekend they made all their draft picks available via Zoom you know, to the media. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff that would have happened, obviously, during rookie minicamp. But some things I kind of gleaned from it were – I really think that a lot of these draft picks right now, and again, they're Zoom meetings. They're looking at a laptop or a a phone or whatever, are getting a lot of one-on-one time as we speak with their position coaches, their NFL position coaches. You know, they're not in a meeting room with five or six other rookies, maybe afraid to raise their hand. Like, I think there's a lot of strong bonds being built between incoming rookies and the wide receivers coach, the D-line coach, whatever. So I think that's really good, and I think people will be more comfortable when they arrive at their future home city, and I think they'll have a pretty good understanding of what's being taught, what the position is being asked. But there's also, everyone learns differently, and you really learn that in football. Taking it from the iPad to the field is a whole different beast. Absolutely, yeah. You need those reps for sure, and and I got to believe at this point it's going to be one of the worst rookie classes as far as production because they're already behind and it's so difficult for rookies as it is and you know most fan bases believe they just drafted seven all pros and that's that's not the case and half of them are going to suck that's just the way it is but even for the guys who are good it's going to take a little bit of time and it usually takes time for almost every single rookie rarely are rookies prepared to walk in and play in the NFL you know the Nick Bosa's of the world those guys don't come around all that often, and, and especially positions like quarterback and wide receiver and tight end, and it's going to take them a little bit of extra time. I think we'll still see some good rookies this year, but it might be you know a muted rookie class as far as production goes. So keep that in mind in your fantasy football drafts. I want to steal something from the Steelers show that I do daily because my co-host Dale Lawley wrote a good article about this, 
and I'm not disputing what you said because I've said exactly what you said every step of the way. But if you remember, there was a lockout in 2011, whenever the old mm-hmm. C- the, the, the old CBA was a problem. And if you remember, that draft class happened to be the Cam, Patrick Peterson, Watt, Julio, A.J. Green, stud, 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 everywhere left and right. But those guys at this point, the, the incoming rookie class, had not even opened a playbook. They hadn't done anything yet. I mean, there was no interaction whatsoever because they were locked out. And maybe that 2011 class was just awesome and overcame it because they're great, great players and it's a historic class. But, I mean, with all respect, it's funny to laugh about it now, but Jake Locker, Christian Ponder, Blaine Gabbert were like the only misses in the first half of the round. Well, they were put behind the eight ball a little bit too. Right. That's a great point. I didn't think about the 2011 I kind of forgot all about it, yeah. Yeah, uh, Alden Smith... The 49ers, that was a, and another thing I had talked about with some hosts on the network, I talked with Landon McCool on the Locked On 49ers show. Um, he's the host of Locked On Cowboys, by the way, that we should have on the show here because the Cowboys are a very interesting yeah. club going into the 2020 season. Uh, he was a little bit worried about a new coaching staff as well being behind a little bit and trying to put their offense in and their systems in. And that 2011 year that was the first Jim Harbaugh year and the 49ers hit the ground running with all their draft picks and as a as a coaching staff and as a team so while it's probably more difficult you're right it's not impossible and we could still see some fantastic production from rookies I'm glad you brought up the 2011 year I I didn't really equate those two but yeah they had even less contact with players right at this point yeah at this point they were doing nothing they were all sitting at home on their own not allowed to communicate very interesting stuff. We have a Twitter question we didn't get to Thursday that ties into all of this. This is from Dave, who asks, would you rather have a delayed season, maybe two months or so, but with fans and everything back to normal after two months, or start on time and not have any fans all year? Start on time. <laughs> you want, you want I'm more selfish. I want the game yeah. to start. I want training camp to start now. I'm mad I'm not at rookie mini camps. If I, I mean, this sounds so awful, but I mean... If we put a couple people in harm's way, well, oh, well, I want football. I hear you. I mean, um, and I don't know what the world would be like without fans in the stadium. It'd probably be terrible, but I want there to be games. I wonder the financial aspect of it. Would it be better for the league to miss four games, but then have everything back to normal financially for the rest of the year than have not any revenue from people in the seats all season long? Just the, you know, just as far, because look, here's another story about uh, the Los Angeles Rams and, that new stadium and Stan Kroenke, the the owner, this is from the Athletics. Dan Kaplan said the Rams have requested up to five hundred million dollars in additional NFL stadium financing and are trying to double the amount of time typically required to pay the money back. So they're in a rough spot trying to open a new stadium during this whole stay at home order. And by the way, Los Angeles is probably going to be one of the last places to open up. I've heard a couple of economic sports type people saying, you know. This is owning an NFL team is like the best investment in the world. I mean, it's the payback is, I mean, any non businessman still makes tons of money unless you have a stadium that nobody goes to <laughs> you know, right. that you just built that's a gazillion dollars. Like, that's like the only thing that can derail your business plan. So, obviously, that's an issue. And then the other thing, taking it a step further, I think it was John Clayton came out yesterday or the day before and said, if we don't have a lot of people in the stands throughout the year or none or whatever, the salary cap next year could go down. You know, like all these teams, like the Chiefs, for example, 
are planning on giving Mahomes forty million or whatever, well, they'd have to cut like six guys if the cap doesn't go up. You know, like all these teams have been counting on the cap to go up as it always does. That's it's unbelievable the finances, and that's definitely not my strong point. We're gonna have to have some people smarter than me on to to explain us some of these things. But the the ramifications of the cap going down would be really bad for teams and and how they've planned really this bad, thing yeah. out. Because I think most of them planned that it was gonna go up twenty million, let alone if it goes down. And I've heard there's an uh, an ability for the league to potentially borrow from future years to make sure that flattens out. So, you know, it slowly goes up rather than jumping up like it was supposed to. Then there's a new TV deal. And I think 2022 that things should be back and, and the league should be in, in much better shape at that point, no matter what happens right now. But it is an interesting year. And I can't imagine the league would let the cap go down, but it might be just right, right at the same level it was this year, which is still bad for a lot of teams. Right. I mean, like it would cripple. Uh, a couple teams are really over the cap. The Eagles come to mind. I mean, there's a couple of them, the Saints, that are really need the cap to go up, and they've planned, you know, financially for it. And if they don't get that situation, I'm sure, like you kind of mentioned, I bet the NFL would say, well, we'll just not have it. It'll be an uncapped year, or we'll take a loan from two years from now and, and pay it back type of deal, you know, because the business model's pretty strong. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Just 2021. Might be a little bit funky. And by the way, I'm looking at this article about Kroenke and the Rams and, and Chargers new stadium in L.A. It was a two to three billion dollar project when usually we're talking about investments with the right. NFL teams and, and teams making money. It's hundreds of millions of dollars, which is insane. But this is thousands of millions of dollars. This is two to three billion dollar project that skyrocketed from there to five to six billion dollars now. So that's what Kroenke's looking at, which is why he's uh, trying to find some extra millions in couch yeah. cushions somewhere and, and help with that financing, because that is a whole lot of money. It's crazy, right? All right, let's talk Hall of Fame, some snubs. Do we agree or disagree with this list? This is an article you sent my way, Matt, and it's from the Athletic staff, and uh, there are a lot of names here. Obviously, as a 49ers guy, close to my heart is Roger Craig. I think he revolutionized the position. We hadn't seen a 1,000-yard runner and receiver until Marshall Falk, and then now again in Christian McCaffrey. And it was a really special thing when he did it late in the 80s, and it was such a, a great piece for a dynastic football team with the San Francisco 49ers, but overshadowed by so many other great players in that franchise. Uh, what other names stood out to you on this list? I think this is a bigger conversation and I'm going to sound like an old curmudgeon a little bit that I very, I very much feel like since I've been doing this, which is now 15 years or so since I left the Browns, I've been in the media and care about these things and talk about them every year. I absolutely think the bar is lower now. I mean, I just think that a lot of guys that I thought were hall of very good have gotten in particularly the last five years or so which I'm okay with. I mean, if the bar is a little lower now than a lot of these guys I think deserve. My old school way of thinking, I don't know that all these names on this list are, oh yeah, they're getting snubbed. I mean, I, I think most of them probably don't belong in because they're the hall of very good. And one position that I think that's really shown up is safety. Like, Safeties historically have not gotten a lot of credit, and we've seen some guys get in lately that I think are pretty good but not amazing. And, like, John Lynch to me is the first name on this list, and I look at him and say, he's not a Hall of Famer to me. Great play. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i talking about the ugliest girl at the beauty pageant type thing here, obviously, but 
I like the bar to be really high. I do think Craig is worthy, though. I mean, you bet that's the name you brought up. And the biggest reason is two things. Instrumental on an awesome team, but ahead of his time. I mean, the receiving stuff that he did then is noteworthy if it happened now. Right. Yeah. And, and that's that, that's one of the keys. So and and that, that team was so far ahead of their times. And I, you bring up a good point about lowering the bar. And that's what's tough is... Regionally, a lot of people have really good arguments for why people should be in the Hall. I tend to think, and it's the reason I don't like the Hall of Fame as much, because to me, it's it should be like, okay, slam dunk. This guy's in the Hall. That's what right. makes you a Hall of Famer, is it's, there's not really a conversation. It's like, obviously, this guy's a Hall of Famer. And then those are the guys that are in, and that's it. As soon as you let one guy in who's, oh, you know, I'm not so sure... Now that opens the door for arguments for a hundred more guys, and then it gets kind of out of hand. And and so to your point, I kind of agree with where you're at on that. And I'm looking at this list of, and I'll just I'll just read this list really quick. Of John Lynch, now current general manager of the 49ers, former Buccaneers and Broncos safety. He's been a finalist recently, as has offensive lineman Alan Fanica. Uh, Tony Baselli was the best for a time. Uh, injury shortened his career, which is why he's not already in. Zach Thomas is a clear no to me, is very good. You know, Hall of Very yeah, Good, classic, good. perfect Hall of Very Good guy. Uh, Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne, a lot of stats there with those guys. Uh, there were some older players like Craig that we mentioned, Drew Pearson, Cliff Branch, Ken Anderson, Joe Jacoby, um, and some coaching candidates. Mike Holmgren, who's got Super Bowls. Uh, Don Coriel, there's a stinking offense named after him, Eric Coriel. So impact he's made on the league. Vermeil. Tom Flores. There's a lot of good names here, and I can see arguments for all of them. But for me, when you ask the question, it's like, obviously, they're in. That's a Hall of Famer. And to me, the only ones of the, quote, young guys is Fanica. And I go, I know that sounds Steeler-oriented, but him and Hutchinson were the best guards in the league for a decade or so. I mean, they're Reed and Paul Amalu to me. I know he's going to get it. I basically know he's going to get in, but I can't believe it's taken this long. The rest of those names don't really excite me. But to show that I'm not a total Steeler homer, I think Bill Cower getting in lowered the bar. You know, like if Bill Cower's in, uh, uh, that means to me Harbaugh, Tomlin, Carroll, Peyton, you know, like let alone Reed and Belichick, they all have just as good of resumes as Cower. And the name you mentioned here, I've been lobbying for Coriel forever. I think he's an easy one. I mean, he changed the game. Sometimes you hear a name and you think, oh, he's not already in the hall. That's kind of what yeah, I thought. It was like, there's literally an offense named after the guy. I thought he would have been in the Hall of Fame. You mentioned uh, that that bar in Holmgren, Vermeil, same thing, same arguments. Like, how how do you let one guy in and not these other guys who are Super Bowl champions? And essentially, if you're a coach and you got a ring, at some point you're going to get in, it seems like now. And you mentioned Alan Fanica, Tony Baselli is another one. Offensive lineman is just tough because they don't have the cachet, that position. There's no stats. They're not playing fantasy football with offensive linemen. So it's harder to, like, essentially put it this way. If it was a wide receiver or another position that played to the level of Alan Fanica, that guy was in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Like, the the first time he was able to get in. Right. And again, it sure hurts to be a guard. You know, I mean, when the best thing you say is he went (laughs) to X amount of Pro Bowls and Pro Bowls don't mean as much. I mean, all pros are great or you have to play in a Super Bowl to be a guard that goes to the the Hall of Fame. That makes no sense at all. I mean, the best guard in the league could win two games a year and still be the best guard in the league. Um, I, I worry this will be the case. I hope it doesn't happen. But I wonder if 10 years from now, people will start quoting like pro football focus stats. 
you know, like, because I think that's at least something, but I don't 100% believe that that's the rightful barometer. Right. And then you have the arguments of peak versus longevity. If you were just mm-hmm. a stat collector and stuck around for a long time, does that count for getting in? There's an there's a there's a group of people that love Frank Gore. There's a group of people that are already mad that he's going to get in the Hall of Fame because they don't think he was the best at his position in any year. He just played for a long time. So we're right. going to hear like that Mark argument Hunt was that guy a couple of years ago. Right. Like, yeah. He's good. And played forever. Is, did, was there any names on this list to wrap up this conversation about these specific guys in this article that were named? And there's a bunch of other names here that were that haven't gotten enough percentage of the vote to get in. Um, if you could there's pick- a couple I wanted to mention of the veteran guys. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Craig. Well, this sounds mean, but the veteran bar is lower. They'll never admit it. But of course, it's lower. They didn't get in the many, many years they were eligible so I think if you get in as a veteran, congratulations, that's wonderful. They just put 10 in this past year. But I, I look at the veteran guys as, you know, the old dudes with a much lower bar. And I almost feel like they should be in a different wing, but I'm being mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> so of those guys, I think Craig's a no-brainer. I was shocked Clifford Branch, Clifford Branch didn't get in, you know, when, when 10 of them got in this year. And my favorite of the group, who I now believe will never go, is Kenny Anderson, because he was Joe Montana before Joe Montana. I mean, the West Coast offense started in Cincinnati, and that was Ken Anderson distributing the football like no one had ever done before. That's a good point. Yeah, those old Bengals offenses where Bill Walsh was for a time there. Yep. Um, it's He'll never get in, but he should. The, the mean aspect of it, one of the reasons why I say that I don't like the Hall of Fame is because there's so much politics involved, and then it's also like the votes. So... And it's worse with baseball because it's like, okay, I got this vote. This is my time to shine. You know, whatever sports writer has a vote. It's like, now I get to do my thing. So now it's kind of about me. And that's one aspect of the Hall of Fame I never really liked was there's, you know, old school sports writers that have their own way of doing things. And they'll never vote for this guy because right. he snubbed them in an interview 30 years ago. Or I'm going to vote for him next year, but he can't be a first ballot guy. Right. Like, or I'm going to I'm going to vote for this one guy, even though there's this obvious player who needs another vote that can't get in because I'm going to vote for this guy who doesn't deserve it and will never get in, but because I need to flex this vote for whatever reason, that aspect of voting for hall of fames has always bothered me. This, I don't know this is a fact, but many people have told me this to be true to, to be even along those lines that a lot of the New York writers weren't going to condone Fanica who went from the Steelers to the Jets until Kevin Mawai got in like two years ago. Like, what's the difference? <laughs> I mean, what's one have to do with the other? Why can't right. you vote for both? You yeah. know, like, I mean, don't quote me 100% on that, but good pe- good sources have told me that there was some of that going on. Like, what are we doing? So essentially what happens is all these guys are going to get in eventually, right? Whether it's Veterans Committee yes. or with the with the current vote. It seems, it just feels I guess. And again, if you go in as a veteran, it's not quite the same, but good for you and you deserve the gold jacket. Because essentially all these guys that are the younger crew, Fanica and Lynch and uh, Tory Holt, Reggie Wayne, if they don't get in now, they're going to be the snubs forever, and they're going to be on the next list, and then they're eventually going to get the in guys. there. Right, because there's going to be older writers, or, you know, whatever. The bar is going to lower to a point where it's at some point they're all going to get in. That's the way I look at it. I always look at it like golf. Like, what's awesome about golf is you can play your whole life, but one day Tiger's going to retire from the tour and go play on the senior tour 
and be the young guy and just kill everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's Tory Holt if he goes through this this thing and then he's compared to you know these other old dudes. You go to the oh, right, you, yeah. you all of a sudden you're the young guy that has prior legs than everybody else. You put those stats up against Cliff Branch's statistics, of course, and yeah. then all of a sudden it's like, oh well, the, the volume is insane here per year. So now then it screws the older guys. So then maybe Cliff Branch never gets in. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, because there's going to be a wealth of receivers coming up, too, especially when you look at numbers. I say this a lot, too, that the only way to judge any sport is how good you were compared to the people you played against at that time. You know, like, I mean, comparing Babe Ruth's home run numbers to Barry Bonds and McGuire isn't exactly fair. But when you compare him to the rest of the league and he has more home runs than the whole AL East. Well, <laughs> right. that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And Wilt Chamberlain's another one with the, right. with the last dance that's happening right now and everyone talking about how great Jordan is and then younger people who didn't really watch Jordan much want to fight for LeBron or Kobe or whoever their guy is as the greatest of all time. I'm surprised how little Wilt Chamberlain's name is brought up. The guy averaged averaged 50 points and 25 rebounds in a season like that was Babe Ruthian numbers that he was doing back then. And a lot of people don't bring him up, which is a little bit surprising, but anyways, we're, kind of we're way off I mean, the like, rails. If we're talking NBA here now, Matt, right. I know nothing about the NBA, <laughs> but I always feel like he gets knocked off his post. Cause Russell got the better of him. And don't you think Wilt would have won a couple titles with the Celts? Oh yeah. And he was, he was <laughs> running down the court in converse too. Right. Compared to what guys have now. And there was a clip in there showing Jordan wearing his original air Jordans, Talking about his feet bleeding, how much they hurt, and that was in his same career. Imagine if guys were playing in those Converse and trying to play full seasons and full careers with that footwear. So you can get down the rabbit hole. There's just a million things to compare in eras and equipment and competition. That, to me, is the Jim Brown argument, too. Like Jim Brown was as big as the people blocking for him, stronger and faster than everybody on the field with better run instincts and, you know, like... It wasn't even close. He was Ruthian. Absolutely. Okay. We we've got to we got to stop this and and regroup for next week. Matt, we'll be back here Monday. We've got a lot of guests lined up next week, and hopefully, we'll start to get more and more good news about the NFL potentially opening up and having training camps somewhere and getting this season going. But a lot to get to before that, and talk to everybody here on the network and some guests outside the network right here, locked on NFL.